Welcome to the Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. Every other Sunday, we'll release an episode of the podcast featuring an interview with a business owner in the food industry. From restaurants, to breweries, to bakeries, and everything in between. We ask them about their journey and the process of becoming a successful business owner in hopes of helping others to do the same. I'm Mike Curtin, and the podcast starts now. Welcome to the Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so so you never miss another episode of the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts. All links to those and podcast platforms can be found on ChewBrewerStew.com. Before I continue, I'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who subscribed and followed the podcast since I started in September of 2019. And a special thank you to everyone who's taken time out of their schedule to be on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. Due to my love of craft beer, moving forward, I will only be interviewing brewery owners and workers. To reflect this change, Chew Brewer Stew will now be called the Brew World Order Podcast. So stay tuned for that, and I look forward to you continuing to be a loyal listener. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for episode number 19 of Chew Brewer Stew. Today I sit down with owners Lori and Jonathan Porter of Smog City Brewing Company in Torrance, California. Jonathan and Lori tell me how they are coping with the current COVID situation and how owning a big business doesn't mean you can't give back to the environment or your community. So here it is, episode number 19. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is Chew Brewer Stew. And today I'm with Jonathan and Lori Porter of Smog City Brewing Company. Jonathan was brewing since 2006 and was brewing at Tustin Brewing in 2008 in Tustin, California. He had a true passion for brewing. Jonathan and Lori founded Smog City Brewing in 2011 and began brewing out of Tustin. Not long after, they moved into their own facility in Torrance, California in 2013. 2017, they expanded to Container Park in Long Beach, California. And finally, in 2019, they opened a second taproom location in Torrance known as Smog City West. Jonathan and Lori, thank you for being with me. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, how are you guys doing? Uh, you know... Uh, We're making it work. <laughs> making it work. Okay. So, uh, holding first, it together. Right. The first question I I've been asking people, and I think it's uh it's the big one. I know a lot of breweries are doing delivery and pickup. How have you been dealing with the whole COVID situation with your business, and how big of an impact has it been on the both of you? Well, I mean, the the one of the biggest things that I'm trying to get people to understand is that um, a lot of small breweries are either tap room focused or like us heavily draft focused, right? Right. So, you know, when we're 80% beer and kegs going out to bars and restaurants, as soon as those orders get put into place where bars and restaurants are are, are closed, um, you know, we've lost 80% of our, our volume business. Wow. It happened kind of overnight, you know, and we could see there were, there were restrictions coming into place, but the actual safer at home was um, not not entirely a surprise, but there was no warning. So by the time we got that call, we already had had beer in tanks for two weeks. So right. there was this you know instant standstill where everything ground to a halt. And then we had to say like, what are we going to do with this product, and how are we going to move forward from here? And so we've had to adapt. Which yeah, so right. we've done a ton of. I mean, it's just uh, it's just an, it's a new business. You know, we're running an entirely new business. We've been. We've had brewery uh, Smog City for nine years now, right. and in the course of uh, four weeks, we've had to reinvent ourselves. You know, it's been really challenging and very intense, and um, we have shifted a lot of our attention to um, 
to-go pickups in our three tap rooms. Uh, we managed to get deliv online uh, delivery orders up and running in one day. Right. We just launched California state delivery or state sales and um, expanded delivery options for LA. Um, we're finding that, you know, in this crisis, people still want the comforts that they were used to before and maybe even more so, you know, it's, it's right, a time sure. in which a lot of insecurity and a lot of imbalance and they're just seeking that like thing that they can just sort of lose themselves in for a minute. Right. And craft beer luckily is part of that. Yeah. I can yeah. totally agree with that. Or, yeah. the, or, or the, what I've also heard is like, they're stuck at home with their kids all day and they just need to drink. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> just be, just being open, just being open yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. 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 And then, and then also looking at our, our um, production side, like Porter mentioned, we went from, 80% draft to 0% draft with right. beer and tanks ready to hit the market. So we've had to make some big changes um, internally in terms of how we get beer out of the facility. We, um, we had ordered a canning line in December, November, yeah, December. December, and it arrived on Monday. So now we're <laughs> yeah, like, like oh, okay, right. brand new package, brand new processes. Let's, uh, let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I right. mean, it's a huge investment, and we had commitments from wholesalers uh, for a, a lot of product, and those, uh, you know, have largely evaporated. So uh, we're trying to take that new package format and try and turn it into, you know, a revenue generator. Right, absolutely. When starting Smog City, right, you were brewing out of Tustin. Now you have multiple locations. Can you tell us about that journey and how you pretty much went from like three locations in six years? How much changed over that time? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's a really sort of like long, long story. Um, and to sort of keep it short, I basically um, got into the brewing industry um, because of my passion for brewing. Right. Um, started as a home brewer. And... Uh, but I, but even before that, I always knew that I wanted to like work for myself. I wanted to be my own boss. Right. So the goal was always to get to a position, a high position where I was, you know, learning and, but also managing the process and also, you know, managing other people. Um, and it was great to be able to learn, you know, like a lot of small business owners, you learn how to do that on other people's dime, basically. Right. Um, and so running a brewery uh, from grain to glass with a lot of responsibility, you know, prepared us to, to do the same thing um, with our own business. Um, the, the, the complicated part came when we were doing distribution plus retail and then more retail locations. And then all of a sudden we had 25 employees and we were learning how to do like leadership and, you know, uh, management on a higher level and evaluating profit and loss statements and, you know, all those things that you, you don't get to experience until you actually run a business of, of a certain size and complexity. Right. So yeah. out, out of all those things that, that came with that, what do you think's the one that you, you never thought you were going to have to deal with? Man, you know what? I think, I think the hardest, the hardest part is when you find uh, a team member that you had have, you know, we, we try to interview as best we can. You find a team member that is just not good for the team right. and you've got to let them go. You feel like you have failed them. And I never, and I always said like, no, I'm, I'm such a good trainer. I'm such a good brewer. Like they will learn from me and they'll be the best just like me. 
And then you feel terrible when it's like clear that a, a person just is not working out. Yeah, right. And I thought I would have to like let people go, you know, yeah. um, for performance reasons. So um, that's, I think it's one of the hardest things and, and something I never really anticipated having right. to do or and if i did i was like oh it won't be that hard they'll know they'll know right right yeah they'll it's, know it's tough that. being people's like livelihoods and having to let them go and and whatnot so yeah you feel really invested in in all of your employees no matter what their performance level is and, right. and in craft beer especially you form these like um families or teams and you feel like you're really like in it together you've locked arms and you're fighting the good fight together and then if as you grow the level of experience that is required of your employees goes up too. And sometimes they can't, they can't do those things. You know, as you, as you become a bigger and bigger company, they get more complex, complex and more sophisticated. It used to be um, a bunch of like high fives in a little room where we all sat together. And now it's, now it's a complicated machine that we've got to keep running. Right. So I know uh, Smog City is big on like giving back to the community and environment. Can you give me some insight into how you go about doing that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so about 2017, Porter and I were talking about our business, talking about what really defines us, how to differentiate ourselves in the market. What what are the things that when people talk about Smog City, we want them want to resonate with our customers? And, and what do we personally care about that we can imbue into our business right. and into our community? Exactly. And so, you know, with we had there were eighty five breweries in LA at the time, and we were we were looking around trying to say like, what is it that nobody else is doing that we feel very strongly about? And um, both of us had just read uh, Yvonne Chouinard's "Let My People Go Surfing." Okay. And that was a big inspiration. He's uh, Yvonne Chouinard was the founder of Patagonia and then right. afterward founder of 1% for the planet. So reading that um, book, we said like, man, this is, this is a way to really uh, allow your business to have not just a fiscal impact on its community, but a social responsibility impact. And so we got together and talked about it and decided to join the 1% for the planet partnership um, which says that Smog City donates 1% of our gross revenue to environmental causes. And then we took that responsibility and that commitment and we focused entirely on environmental uh, foundations and organizations that are impacting the consumer or the customers that are supporting and protecting Smog City's growth and success. So it's been this kind of like, it's almost like this beautiful ecosystem, right? Like customers come in, they're the ones that are helping us grow. We're taking the mon money that we're making. We're giving back to the environment, giving back to the community. Yeah, they're all local nonprofits um, yeah. that we partnership with, and we we, we kind of there's one that we're, we're we're donating to every year, and that's kind of a unique partnership. Food Forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Food Forward's a really interesting one. They rescue uh, food that would normally go to waste in um, warehousing distribution outlets, farmers markets and people's backyards. They donate that food to food banks and support people that are in need um, of fresh food, vegetables, fruits. That That's awesome. Yeah, they're cool people with a passion for giving right. back and like just looking at the food sort of distribution system and saying, you know, where, why is there so much waste? Like, where can we, how do we, you know, fix that? And how do right. we get it to people who need it the most? Right. I think for us, the, the importance is that there's a way to win at business while also doing good. Mm -hmm. right. Because I, 
you know, capitalism is kind of like a bad word yeah. in some instances. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. And because we're, but because we're not beholden to anyone, you know, there's no shareholders and there's no like, um, there's no other investors. There's no other investors. Yeah. We can kind of do the things that I think matter to most to us and also, you know, impact the world in a way that's important for our son. Um, and we hope we, we try to do both. We try to balance it. Speaking of son, how do you make family and business work for you? Oh my gosh. What do you, <laughs> so what do you think? I know uh, being married and working together. Well, there's plenty of beer involved. Right. <laughs> What do you think some of the advantages are? Um, well, my parent I grew up in a family-owned business, and my parents were our family-owned business. My grandparents had a family-owned business. My brother and his wife had a family-owned business. So all I really know is sharing everything. Right. You know, at the end of the day, when when he comes home, I know I know you know eighty percent of the stresses that he's encountered throughout the day. There's no surprise that right. like oh not feeling good or like, you know, he had to deal with all these different problems. Like, I already what know that at the office today, like there's yeah. none of that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What'd you do about so-and-so? Um, right. But it definitely becomes, I mean, it's all encompassing, right? Like we always joke that our son is the third member on the board because he's always in the middle of all the conversations. He right. has a pen. He's 10 years old and he has opinions and he's hearing about um, employee issues or financial decisions or equipment, you know, malfunctions or whatever. He's like, he, fully hears all of it. We don't censor in front of him and we let him be, you know, absorbing it because most likely at some point we're going to, he's going to end up owning his own business with his wife too. Probably. Right. He's already, <laughs> he's already being check. bred for it. Why not? You know, right. We create like a singular narrative together. You know, there's not, there's not like him and his buddies at the office and me and my friends at the office. And we sort of don't have a shared story. We have this singular narrative that, right. that, that is like a beautiful thread that ties us together. Gotcha. Yeah, I think we've always worked well together and yeah. we don't, our work doesn't overlap all that much, except when it comes to like, you know, leadership decision making. Right. Um, but, you know, I basically manage production and make sure the beer is awesome and sort of run uh, primary on the creative process when it comes to what, we're, you know, what we're brewing, what's coming next. Um, and then Lori is the heart of the business. She's she's the sales and marketing. She is the warm taproom uh, presence, and she sort of yeah leads the way on telling our story and how our taproom, our retail staff, um, um, you know, engages with the customer and sort of you know brings people into our brand. We have really different skill sets, you know, and that's I think that's what makes us the most compatible is is that lack of overlap there's no there's no like i could do that better than you it's right. really nice that we are able to contribute from different sides of the same coin and then and then come together and create so, a singular product so on that on that actually i had a next question for you it's uh what qualities do you think that you both possess that make you good owners he's the brains and i'm the heart <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm really the people person. Right. I love storytelling. I love telling our story to consumers. I love hearing consumer customer stories. I like bringing them into a fold. I like being part of something big. I like um, creating a sense of investment or loyalty or love for what we've done because I have so much pride in the product that we've created and so much pride in what Porter has done over the years that. 
um, it's really easy for me to sell him. It's really easy for me to sell his beer. It's really easy for me to um, be super proud of what we've created. And, uh, And I think that's a huge benefit because on Porter's side, he's not really as comfortable saying my beer is great. You know, I'm, I've done a really good job. Well, it can always be better, right? I mean, exactly. Of course. And so I'm perfectionist, perfectionist, you know, exactly. (laughs) It's, you know, it's, it's the, there's a, there's a need for, for a creative person who's more um, scientific, cerebral, engineering, technical to have somebody who can say, at the end of the day, all that work you put into it has created something really great. Right. You know, and, and that's, let's, and that's let's what tell I people about it. Yeah. Let's tell everybody. And I, I love, I just, I love stories, you know, and I grew up in a storytelling family. And so that's one of the biggest, uh, you know, assets that I bring is really bringing people into smog and making them feel like they're part of, or showing them that they're part of our family, you know, giving them that, 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 I don't know, community feel and the heart and the love for, for something that's just a business, you know, at right. the end of the day, it's sort of what Porter was saying. It's like, it's still capitalism. We're still a for-profit business, but we have a real and real and true and genuine investment in our customers. Right. It's a beautiful thing. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, for us, it's not about the destination. It's the ride, you know, yeah. I mean, of like, course. it's like life. And so I want to look back and be proud of what we did and not just because we have a pile of money in the bank. Like, which we don't. <laughs> yeah, after this, we're, gonna, we're not going to have much left. Yeah. But, uh, but really, I mean, you can't take it with you. So, you know, you might yeah. as well create joy along the way. Right. And how do you go about uh, promoting your business? Uh, strat- what are like your strategies for marketing and getting your name out there? We rely pretty heavily on Instagram and newsletters. So we have, a, we have multiple Instagram feeds, but the number one is, um, at smog city beer. And we use that to tell stories about our processes, to share our new beers that are coming out. Um, this has been an interesting time because we're trying to find a balance between the honest challenges of COVID-19 with not creating too dark a story and giving people hope and optimism. You know, they're not coming to us to make them cry. They're coming us to be like link arms and we're all in this together and I'm going to have a beer that I can forget that I'm locked in my house. So it's been, it's, there's been a, a bit of a shift <laughs> in our Instagram feel. Um, same with our newsletters. Uh, I have a, I also have a WordPress blog that I used to write a lot of. So a lot of our history is in that. It's awesome. Uh, and then just having conversations with people like you, you know, it, there's nothing better than um, when Porter and I are able to work together and just share our story back and forth to really tell the narrative and to, to share our, how genuinely invested we are in our brand and our customers and in the industry. Right. So, uh, I know it can, it can take a lot of mental toll, especially now with everything that's going on. How important is a mental break from all this for both of you? And how do you, how do you go about taking those? Well, we, uh, we've already been fantasizing about our vacation post COVID. (laughs) We're trying to decide. As many people have. Yes. As many people have. (laughs) It's, it's a, it's all, it's almost like a, it's a both positive and depressing conversation to have because you don't know when that will happen. But, um, 2022. (laughs) Maybe. So we, um, we have over the last two years, three years, 
we've taken one really great long trip together with our kid and sometimes our friends, sometimes our family, where we were able to fully disconnect from the company. Um, we have warned our employees that we're going to check in periodically, but that if the place burns down, call the insurance company, <laughs> don't call up. <laughs> you know, it's, um, right. it's just like, it is so important to have that opportunity to, to reset. And we find that when we're in those vacations, when we're away from the brewery, that's when a lot of creative and innovative things come up. When we are relaxed from the day-to-day -day rigmarole, right. you know, scheduling and production and issues and fixing stuff, yeah. you, your brain gets clouded. And But what are we doing now for our mental breaks? We're not really <laughs> um, I, have a, I have a really large garden at my neighbor's house. So I go down awesome. in the garden. That's that's where I get my reset. It's um it's the place I can go and it's quiet. There's nobody there, and I can just watch the plants grow. And it gives me hope that there is a future. You know, it's yeah. it's hard right now to remember that there will be a time when we look back on this. Um, and so I go down there and I look at my plants and I watch them grow. And I think like someday I'm going to be harvesting these plants and it's going to be hopefully post it's going to be different. post the, the right. yeah, it's going to be different. And what about you, John? Any, anything that you, I don't uh, know. Today's my first day off since March 13th, <laughs> the Friday, the 13th. So it's been, it's good not to worry about what's happening at the brewery. No one else is there. Right. Um, today's a down day. We, we, we're on a pretty skeleton crew. Okay. Um, but we've actually had a lot of on days in the last week. So today it's good. I don't worry about what's going on there. I got a lot of good guys that take care of the place. So yeah. our employees are so invested that they really do treat the brewery like, like a business, like their own right. business. Like you know, they, they love awesome. the product. They love smog. They're proud of what they do. And they, they, when they go in, they, they look at it like their own. I think I, t I take little breaks. Uh, you know, I come home, I love to cook. I cook dinner with my wife. I have a beer. We watch a movie. It's very relaxing, and I don't I don't worry about what's going to come the next day because I know you know it's going to be different. It's going to be hard, but right. first couple yeah. you know the first week was really hard because we changed every day was like a new announcement, and we're like, okay, how do we adapt to this? How do we right. change? Um, how do we get into this like new normal? Um, Almost like a puzzle every single day, though. <laughs> Every, every day, day. Yeah. i'm sure you experienced that too well yeah you know? i mean yeah and in, in different ways yeah i mean it was almost like a new information coming out every day of okay we're gonna go this route now and we're gonna do this and we're gonna help I'm like oh my god i'm like just just tell me what i gotta do when i come into work just tell me what i have to do but it was emails <laughs> every day like hey we're gonna handle things this way now no we're gonna do things this way no we're gonna, i'm like oh my god there's a lot of information overload right you know and trying to you're trying to suss out like what's real information and what's not real information and what's what really needs to happen right now and what needs to what's going to come in general in the in a normal life cycle. You're still always trying to predict where the market is going, trying to predict where the customers need, trying to predict what regulations will change. Right. And so now it's just in this uh, this really distilled period where everything's changing day after day after day, and and it's it's exhausting, but it's also to some degree, like it's really invigorating because it's all new. And it's like all the rules that existed before have been completely thrown right. out. It's a complete reset. Like I feel stressed, but I also feel excited because I get to ask all these questions that 
had answers before, but now they don't. Right. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of great. We're we're creatures of habit, of course, but I think you know, like yeah. now people are being, you know, stuck at home, and it's like you know what? Try and figure out something new that you like that you didn't like before, or dig dig deeper yeah. than just I'm bored and I can't I can't wait to get out and I'm antsy and you know I, I try to. Uh, you sound like my son. I'm bored, and then yeah. he doesn't do anything about it. Like no. you gotta get creative. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So but that's also why we started those virtual happy hours. Right. Was that. You awesome. know, that was a creative solution to a problem. We said, well, people are sitting at home. They can't come to the tap room. The whole point of the tap room is community. Why don't we do a happy hour where people can come together? Yeah. And they can do it safely. And they all and can they... see each other. And yeah. so there's a lot of familiar faces. Yeah. My friend was like, are you going to do a speaker view so that they can't see each other? I'm like, no, that's the exact opposite point. I right. want them all to see each other. I want them to feel that relaxed atmosphere of a tap room where they're connecting with people not just me but each other in a space that's safe and you're doing yeah. that through zoom yeah awesome yeah we do it every thursday at 6 p.m it's beautiful besides obviously the whole covid situation what do you think in the last five years has been the biggest lesson or change that you've learned from well i think um one of the biggest challenges is the pro proliferation of breweries in the country, I think a lot of breweries, especially older, more established ones, struggle to um, be relevant, mm -hmm. um, especially when there's a lot of like new kids on the block doing flashy things and putting stuff in beer that maybe, you know, may or may not belong there. Right. Uh, breakfast cereal, you know, just saying. <laughs> I've, I've seen this before. Apple pie. <laughs> yeah. To each his own. But I think, you know, one of our challenges was, you know, trying to stay true to who we are, yeah. um, you know, and not jump on the trends or, you know, if it's, a, or, you know, if it was a fad or whatever, um, too quickly. And, you know, a lot of people talk about quality when it comes to beer, but I'm not sure a lot of people understand um, that quality is consistency and it is the ability to communicate what quality is to the consumer. I think as an industry, we've done a really good job saying like, oh, craft beer is better than big macro beer because, you know, we don't use junk and we don't whatever and it has more flavor. Right. But I think we've done a really poor job in telling the consumer what good craft beer is. And I think one of the hardest parts for, for me, we continue to make the highest quality product that we are capable of doing. And I, I mean, I think that we're, you know, an industry leader out here in Los Angeles, one of being relevant but also true to self true yeah true to self yeah. and right. being able to educate and custom educate customers it's like it's, i don't want to say that my neighbor's not making good beer because he sells twice as much of that brand than i do but i also know like you know when there's flaws like the customers don't understand it because that person may or may not be educating the consumer and i have no problems with any any other breweries it's just that I want us all to be making great beer and I want the consumers to understand what that is. There's a lot of noise out there too. There's a lot of people say, why don't you, why don't you do it this way? Everybody else is doing it that way. Why, why aren't you, why aren't you, why aren't you? And Porter and I have to be pretty confident in the decisions we make to stand up to those questions to say, right. you know, we, we put beer in bottles because of the quality concerns we had, because we knew that this would be shelf stable. This is beer that's going to get into your hands the best best quality it possibly can even though cans are clearly king right now and just of taking course. off 
super popular and people are just after us, after us, after us. Why aren't you making a hazy beer? Everybody's making a hazy beer. And we're like, we are not saying we won't make a hazy beer. We're going to make it when we know we can make it the best hazy beer to possibly make, which we did. It takes a long time to make those decisions, to make sure you do them thoughtfully and do them in a way that is a good reflection of your brand. You know, there's a lot of like question when people are always on you about why you didn't put your beer in cans, you doubt yourself. Or when they say, why aren't you making hazies yet? You doubt yourself. But at the end of the day, I feel very proud of the decisions we've made at the timelines we've made them. And we learn from those experiences. You know, we, we take steps back and we say, all right, well, you know, this is, I think the bottling line and the canning line are great experience, great examples. We bought the bottling line a year later, it arrived. And in that year, can took off. That wasn't our fault. It just was, right? Right. (laughs) We bought a canning line and now our entire nation is shut down. (laughs) We didn't do that. That's not our fault. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's these, these decisions that you make and you stand by them and then you make the best of them. Over nine years, we've made a lot of decisions. We're constantly changing, constantly growing. But at the end of the day, I feel very proud of the choices we've made. So I think that's like the biggest one for me. Awesome. Yeah, you know, it's it's a marathon. It ain't a sprint. So you got to make sure, you know, over the long over the long run, you got to make the right choices. You can't just, uh, hey, this hey, this sounds good. Let's let's do this right now. You know, it's you can be a schizophrenic business. It's like you need to have focus and direction. Right. Of course. Uh, if you had somebody come to you and ask you for some advice on opening their own brewery, what advice would you give them? We we actually get a lot of people that ask for advice for opening their own brewery. On Monday, <laughs> I did an interview <laughs> with a guy in Alabama. Really? <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> I think I think what what is so I just want to make a comment. I think what is so funny about people who want to open their own brewery that come to me for advice. I can always tell how much experience they have by the questions that they ask because they don't seem to ask the right question. They want the answers and I can give you the answers, but I'm like, but you're not asking the right question. <laughs> um, the one I got on Monday was, what does a typical day look like for you? Yeah. There's no typical I'm days. Like, right. Yeah, I'm like, that's, first off, that won't help you. And secondly, there's no typical day. So right. well, I, I think... Um, I think professional experience is really important. Uh, I think the number one thing is how to make great beer consistently. Um, and I think it requires an attention to detail. It requires a significant investment in quality equipment. Um, that quality is kind of negotiable um, on some uh, some scale. Or but not some if you fronts, don't have experience. But not if you don't have experience. Yeah. Um, uh, and I will tell you the number one flaws I find in breweries, beers, um, or in beer that's not good, especially from smaller producers, is fermentation flaws. Um, managing fermentation is the number one thing. Keeping your yeast healthy and managing a fermentation properly is the one thing that like nobody teaches you. Nobody even taught me in how seven years before we opened our own brewery, and I didn't know how to do it. But once we figured that out, our beer got better. Our costs went down, um, and and it, it took a significant amount of time and investment um, in equipment, and we dumped a lot of beer because it just wasn't up to our standards. Right. Um, and but without experience in a brewery and the ability to manage fermentation, I mean, and that's just beer quality. Right. Forget yeah. the business. Forget the business I, side. Like, there's a million things. Yeah, my my 
uh, recommendation is always work for a brewery, go to school for business and make sure you actually want to make this your job. Because if you want to have weekends or nights or vacations or peace of mind, if you're, if you like stability, this is not for you, right? right? If you like uh, to know what money you're going to have next week, this is not for you. If you, you know, if there's all these different questions you have to ask yourself at the end of the day, you have to decide, do I like to make beer because I like to hang out with my friends or do I want to make this a business? Because even as you know, our master brewer, he is only now because of this crisis brewing again, you know, he, he spends most of his time managing people, solving problems, negotiating contracts, fixing, equipment. fixing equipment. It's like, that's not why most people get into beer. You know, they usually get in because they homebrew, they love beer. They have this great experience hanging out with their buddies. Their buddies say you should open a brewery and then boom, they open a brewery and then they never brew again right. and they never hang out with their friends. Or they brew and then they're like, oh my God, I got to brew and I don't have time to do this and that and the other thing. Yeah, and it's like, hard. Yeah, that's what it's hard. So you have to be a real business person at heart and you have to be willing to um, live in a life of uncertainty and live in a life in which you never get to shut off. You know, you're. we talk about the business when we're going to bed and we talk about it when we're cooking and we talk about it in the morning and we talk about it at work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's constant. It's a, it's in your life all the time. Right. It's an all day affair. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so, uh, did you happen to have a funny story for us? It's a, there was that one time, there was that one video that we made early on when I tried to pour, instead of putting sugar in the kettle for a oh, Belgian yeah. strong ale, I was like, no, 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 let's add it once fermentation starts because I don't want fermentation to stall. <clears throat> so I opened the top and the, the fermentation was already ripping and I started pouring the cane sugar in, um, which is typically used in Belgian golden strong ales. These tiny uh, sugar particles basically became nucleation points and there was a ton of CO2 in solution. So I'm on top of the tank and my brewer is there and I'm like, oh no, dude, here it comes. And I try to put the lid on and it's like geysering out. <laughs> and in the video, he backs up and you can hear him laughing and he hits a keg and there were glasses on it and the glasses fell oh over and God. smashed down. And I'm still trying to get this geyser of beer to stop and put the cap on the tank itself and get it all wrapped up. It was ridiculous. This is a disaster. <laughs> disaster. I don't like I don't know how much of that beer we lost, but most of it, I think. Good lord. Everybody was just laughing the whole time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm literally sitting on top of the tank with the thing shooting up, and it's like two or three feet high. Those are those sounds are dangerous. Sad. Yeah, I would say kind of dangerous, but then you know you laugh about it, right? right. But luckily, the owner. So yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't like yeah, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna yeah. retaliate. No, we, I mean, we could have just let it just pee all over the floor or something. It would have the worst thing would have happened is we just we just spilled beer. Right. I have this uh, a little segment called uh, quick yeah. fire five Uh-oh. i've never had two people do it but i guess i can get an answer from each of you we can yeah. alternate yeah well either one i can get an answer from both of you it's just five quick questions quick answer whatever comes to our mind yeah whatever comes to mind ready all right Try it. all right uh somebody comes into your tap room what's the one beer you recommend they try pilsner coffee porter favorite brewery other than your own Sierra Nevada. Oh, the same answer. Yeah. It's fine. Hey, it's personal. Favorite style of beer? 
Probably porters. Dark beers. Mm, Pilsner. Last beer you drank that blew you away. I'm trying to think. I've had a lot of other beers. Go ahead. Can it be like a, I mean, so mine is the last beer I had that I wish I had right near, right now during the Safer at Home is Celebration from Sierra Nevada. It's a seasonal beer that comes out in December. December. We literally look forward to it. We track it down in any grocery store and we buy it by the case. It's very good. So I really think it's, I think it's a perfect beer. That's, and I miss it. I actually told him the other day that I wished we had celebration while we were stuck at home. <laughs> <laughs> Something to celebrate. Yeah. To celebrate, yeah. yeah. To celebrate. Um, I, I'm going to say um, we we just moved our um, our cold box from a smaller box to a bigger one, and we pulled out all of our old vintage beers. Um, and I found a beer called um, that we made a long time ago called Saison Contraire. Um, and it was, um, we used to make a flagship saison when we first started. And this was one of our first, um, versions where we took our flagship saison and uh, spiked it with Britannomyces. And I found one case and it is drinking amazing. <laughs> I was so surprised. Yeah. I was like, this beer, what? We still have this? That's <laughs> awesome. I, it blew me away. And then I was like, I was like, oh, this is gold. This is gold. Yeah. Put it into inventory. We're going to, yeah, it's going to be, what, my, we might just drink it. I don't what know. a find. What a yeah, find in such, such a great time to have it. And last question I have, but you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer would you be choosing? <laughs> Coffee porter for me, then. Yeah. Coffee porter, okay. Yeah. Coffee, chocolate, alcohol, low, al- low ABV, it's perfect. perfect. That sounds, that sounds good. Yeah, I think I need IPA because IPA. I need if it's two weeks and it's only one beer, I think I need a little more alcohol and <laughs> I get cravings for hops. I mean, pilsners are great. I, I I think it's my favorite style, but like when it comes to like hops, I gotta have them every so often, otherwise right. I can't. Any specific IPA? Well, I mean, you know, we we <laughs> happen to have some of the best IPA in Los Angeles. There we go. <laughs> You know what I'm one saying? Of, we're not we're not hurting for uh, quality beer over here. Well, one of the one of the interesting things that happens when you um, run a, you own a brewery is that you you kind of like tune your palate to your own beers, right? And so you really love them, right? right? Like they're comfortable. You recognize them. You're proud of them. You become like a standard. Have, yeah, and so so when I drink other people's beer, I kind of like even if it's a great beer, I still kind of miss my beer, like. My beer is like a comfortable blanket, you know, or right, my right. favorite packet. And so even if I maybe found a beer that I liked more than it, I would always want to come back to that that comfortable place. True. I mean, I could I could grab an IPA from our buddies at El Segundo Brewing here or our friends down at Beachwood and be just as happy. Yeah. Well, that is uh, all I have for you guys today. Well, we want to say thank you to you as a fireman and a frontliner. Thank you very during much. During this time, you are doing your part as well. You know, we're we're providing the libations, but you're providing the safety. So, thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's well, great to talk to you. Yeah. And what are you are you going to tell us what you were drinking? I was drinking a. Uh, it was an IPA. It was an IPA. It was an all day IPA. Oh, there you oh, go. Yeah. All right. That yeah. founders. Yes, founders. Found- I love Founders. Yeah, I'm a big Founders fan. I like this stuff. Yeah. Funny side story on All Day IPA. We came up with that name like six months before they released that beer. You're like, no. And we, 
We didn't do it. We didn't release the beer name, and then came out with yeah, it. We, we were like, "No, we, yeah, we were the gonna, best name." And they were like, "Oh, we're gonna do it. Let's go. Let's go check the trademark." And we we're like, "What? Founders has an all day IPA? Yeah, must be a one off." And then oh. they did like a ten million dollar expansion to make yeah. you know to flood the world with all day IPA. We were so sad. It's such a great name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it, and it, yep. and it is something you can drink all day, especially yep. in the yeah. summer. It's beautiful, yep. it's especially in quarantine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, uh, awesome. Thank you. Yes, John, Laurie, thank you for being with me. I'm Mike Curtin for Chew Brewer Stew. Thank you, guys. Hey guys, so that was the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're able to take something away from that interview as you will with every interview. Special thanks again goes out to Lori and Jonathan Porter of Smog City Brewing Company in Torrance, California. If you're on lockdown during this quarantine and you're in California, stop by Smog City's Tap Room for a quick pickup or check out their webpage for links to get beer delivered straight to your front door. Every other Sunday I'll be posting a new podcast, so stay tuned and like I said, subscribe. And you'll never miss another episode. Don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts. Also, Sunday, June 7th, Chuburu Stew's name will officially be changed to the Brew World Order podcast. I'm Mike Curtin for Chuburu Stew. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.